That almost sounds like the little whirring at the start of the episode. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Okay, so listeners, here's the situation. I'm going to lay it all out for you. <laughs> we did two oopsies. <laughs> all right. Let me set this up. So we started an episode, and it was delayed and then stopped 10 minutes in because there was an incident at a workplace that was then resolved. So we decided we'll take the mulligan, 10 minutes, whatever. That's not so bad. We'll start over again. We recorded in a whole hour episode where in I rambled about World War II for at least half of it. I asked questions. Clarification. Uh, the rest of the time was spent explaining to Will how ice makers work <laughs> and why you might want to have a fridge in your, in your garage. Freezer. Is that accurate? A fridge in your freezer. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, in the garage, yes. So we're trying not to use that one. <laughs> if you're hearing this, it means that it's this too one late. went better. Yeah. <laughs> And that's probably not a good sign in and of itself, because I'm halfway through my bottle of wine. Oh, great. And, uh... Yeah, you're good and lubricated. Will's on his second beer. I'm trying to... So, my thing is, I'm trying to, you know... I was going to try to do a no-drinking November, and then I realize, what is my life? Never mind. But I want to I You know, it's a school night, so I shan't be, you know, going hard, as we normally do for a, a podcast recording. Yeah, I understand that. That's totally acceptable. I think that you should do a no-drink November. You're already breaking it, I guess. Yeah. But you could just run it into December 1st, and it would be fine. Yeah, it's fine. I think... Why you, don't you do it? You should do it. Oh, I think it'll be easy. I just, you know, having like... Or my thing is like being able to say, I've had two, I'm good. Yeah. New rules November. Interesting. Okay. Because like if I have a bottle of wine, obviously it goes bad, goes bad immediately. Got to drink it all. Right. Got to stick a straw on it. Um, but, you know, maybe that's, you know, like a, a different conversation of like if if there's a bottle of wine open, it's not everybody get your own sep- separate bottle of wine and a straw, you know. Well, speak for yourself, but. Okay, you're not helping. That's not helping. <laughs> it's called helping. Well, listen, one of the reasons that I think you should attempt to do this, because you remember, I did this once. It was when we were recording the podcast, yeah. too. It was a January, January 2020. Yeah, you did a dry January. Um, doesn't matter what month it is. The point is that you have to do it yourself if you want to do it. You have to, part of the exercise is resisting other people's encouragement, mm-hmm. actively declining when you need to do that. I mean, I was going to give it like three weeks and then Thanksgiving, obviously, you're going to use some white wine for some things and then you're just going to drink the rest of the bottle. Okay. I mean, whatever amount of time you want to do. uh, Yeah. yeah, That's exactly what you're doing is you're talking yourself out of it before you've even started. Yeah. Which you should at least make the effort and then give it up. I I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No. Yeah. I also think if your idea is, hey, I just want to moderate, that's also fine too. Yeah. The culture of like you have to sort of to completion. The abs. The total abstaining is not the only option. It's gross, yeah. So yeah, do whatever you want. But yeah, if you're trying to make an effort for November, I will support you in this. I will tease you on the podcast, absolutely. But the rest of the time, you know I won't. I mean, my thing is like, you know, I would like to, you know, it would be nice to have some pants fit every every now and then. But like, you know, when you uh, go a little ham on your vacay and you're like, I think I poisoned myself, you know, not great. Not great. You know. I've upset the flora and the fauna inside my body, and I have to make sure that I do right by it. Got to get some Activia. Yeah, that's a really bad feeling. I had that over the weekend a little bit, because I only drank one night. I drank on Friday. Yeah. And I didn't even really drink that much, like, relative to what I have done. I feel like you were home, and I was still, like, watching stupid videos in bed, or had just fallen back asleep. Yeah, no, that's about right. I think I came home at 1230 or 1. It wasn't, like, super, super late. I fell asleep on the couch as soon as you all left to go to party. Yeah, I'm sure. It was great. I slept until 12, woke up, did the dishes of my gluttonous dinner, and then tried to go back to sleep, and then did. But I was like, huh? So soon. So confused. Well, what I'm saying is, though... You feel bad, though, the next day? Not only did I feel bad the next day, I felt bad the following day, too. And it had, I think, less to do with drinking and more to do with the gut biome problem or just the lack of health products in my life because i didn't eat well on friday i didn't pack my lunch and we got a free lunch at work so it was like pretty greasy and aggressive but he knows greasy now 
I don't work over there oh, anymore. Yeah. Uh, they didn't fly some up? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got a fucking G6 yeah. <laughs> to, to bring up the Patino, which is now $15, which is a whole separate issue. Anyway, so I, I didn't eat well on Friday at all, and then I drank, and then I didn't really eat well on Saturday either because I wasn't hungry most of the day because I was having that hungover feeling of like, oh, just nothing sounds good. I don't even feel like dealing with this mm-hmm. until... You get to late in the day, and you're like, all right, now I need a giant dinner. Yeah. And then you have a giant dinner, and then you kind of feel bad. And then you wake up the next day, and you're like, all I've had is salt and alcohol now. Yeah. And I feel like this dried-out SpongeBob meme. hmm And it's just really terrible. All I, all I need is something green. Yeah. Yet I have no groceries. I don't have any avocados left. I got no salad greens left. I can't even have a green thing. Yeah. So I'll uh. eat some eggs, because that's what I have around. But even that, you're like, now I gotta take a nap. It doesn't feel good. Yeah, it was just a whole day. It was just a whole like three days of, I have to eat salads more often than not, or I feel like shit. See, I was at the point where I upset the the biome so much that when I was like, okay, so I'll try to recover by eating greenery, and that was just like a slip and slide, and I was being upset at two in the, you know, trying to go to bed and then going, oh no, oh no can't trust a fart gotta gotta take a little waddle something has gone wrong that's not a good feeling when you're in bed yeah that's really bad you have nighttime problems with the bowels well i did after getting absolutely shit can hammered oh no i'm so sorry that's the worst i think it's because i had brown alcohol i had a shot of whiskey for the first time in probably years Mm -hmm. that could be and then a lot of beer. you know it's a fallacy though that the type of alcohol does anything different it doesn't do anything it does no it doesn't the order you drink it and what it doesn't matter that's all just urban legend well i had gin gin whiskey oof so clear really dark and then piss water yeah but it doesn't matter man then i had a lot of piss water but that's probably got a lot more to do with like it 64 Let's ounces be honest. of piss water you yeah know? oh god stop calling it that it's pbr Ugh. Oh, you know what I wanted to ask you about? I am going to abruptly change the subject because I'm... New subject. I'm done. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That one's just for us, folks. (laughs) Um, You after show people. You'll get it now. uh, Yeah, you will. Um, (laughs) um, Do you remember? I can't remember if it was the last episode or the last after show or within the last couple of weeks. We blew by it real quick because we were talking about something else, but I was having bad dreams, and I said that, and you said so were you. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that at all? I'm curious about that. I usually don't remember dreams, but I was having like a string of some bad... Because we were talking about death. Yeah. And I was having some like weird... I don't know. I was having unsettling feelings while sleeping, and I think it was like a bad... Like one was a bad dream. But you don't remember the the context of the dream or anything. It was just sort of a feeling. Like some dread feeling. Yeah. And I, I can't... You know, I can't place it, but it was like, ooh, dread. Like, waking up and just feeling, mm, I didn't sleep well because something was not good. Like, the whatever was playing out in the psyche was a, a drama that I didn't like. Right. Because I have, like, weird, you know... Remember that time I told you I had a weird dream where, like, people were, like, leading people out of the street and I was hiding in my house, like, and yeah, Franking? Yeah, yeah, I do remember And I was, that. like, having a little bit of that kind of unsettling, like, we're hiding for some reason. Ooh, is that like a deep-seated Eastern European Holocaust thing? Yeah, plus, you know, you're deep in the closet finding Christmas oh, presents. Interesting. Know. Could be. Yeah, I'm not necessarily going to read it, but I'm just looking at my notes app to refresh my memory. I'd been writing down my dreams. I stopped doing it like a week ago, mm-hmm. but I had been doing it. Got too wet, fingers were too, too sticky. Just kidding. That was That was <laughs> gross, and I'm confused. <laughs> I don't like I it. I thought it was... I, I was trying to be jokey. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very sleepy. I don't like it here. <laughs> I want to go. Anywho, read your read your dreams. No, I'm not going to read... I'm not going to read it. I was just refreshing... Read your hopes and dreams. I was just refreshing... Because the thing is, talking about dreams specifically is always boring. Nobody cares, because they don't make any sense. We have listeners who love talking about dreams. Everybody likes talking about their dreams, but it's a self-indulgent activity, you know? Nobody else We're recording cares. a podcast that 60s of people listen to. Yeah. You want to talk about self-indulgent? Come in, give, give it, give it. I'm not going to. No, 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 no. Maybe we can get give to it. Give the recap, okay. Yeah. 
again, we're doing things on your terms. Remember this whole conversation? Yeah, 60-second recap. I love them. It's yeah. okay mm-hmm. to let other people talk for a second. You can do that. Okay. It's, it's within your ability. Um, I think I started having lasting impressions of my bad dreams because I was writing dreams down. Oh, maybe. Because I was writing them down, good or bad, my retention for the feeling of the dream was better, even if I didn't remember it. Yeah. And I started to realize that I think I mostly have bad dreams. Okay. And so I stopped writing them down because I was like, I'm not going to, I don't actually want to know. Like, whatever's going on, this actually relates to like my, all of my theories about therapy. That's like sort of better if parts of your brain are not unlocked. That's uh, actually o- that's actually okay. Uh, I think people should just accept that about their lives more. It's not to say you shouldn't be introspective or like learn things about yourself. I mean, I'm not making that point. I'm just saying that having mystery parts of your personality or your psyche is fine. Uh I like I liken it to having like, you know, a, ho- a row of hotel doors. Where it's like you know the reasons of what the key, which key is going to open what door, and you're like, maybe I don't want to open that one right now. Like I know it's there, and I know that they're connected, but let's not open the door. I'm not stepping through that door right now. Well, right. And in the example of dreams, I tend to believe that dreams are basically brain garbage. I don't think that they actually have any real significance that you can meaningfully interpret. It's defragging your brain. Yeah, I think your brain is just working through some cycles, and you're. You know, you're making a pastiche of things that have happened to you past, present, and future. And trying to extrapolate from that anything important is a waste of time. So if the impression that your brain is leaving you is a mostly negative emotion, if your defragging leaves you feeling bad, I'm not going to open that hotel room door. No. You know, constantly. Why do that? Uh, Because then you can, you know repackage the defragging open up some other space for other thoughts to enter well that's possible and i guess that's what i thought might happen by writing them down because i was interested in like lucid dreaming i was reading the astral projection subreddit a lot i know you're going to be really dismissive of this and i i'm not i'm not saying that people can do that but similar to hallucinogenic experiences like drug experiences there's a lot of commonality between people that claim to have had this experience. Like, in that community, it's not that different. It's not a wildly divergent set of things. So, to use the drug example, like, when you see drugs like acid represented in a movie, it's like, oh, I saw Roger Rabbit running around, and, you know, he pulled, a, he pulled another rabbit out of a hat, and it was me, or whatever. That doesn't happen when you're on LSD. Anybody that's ever actually done a hallucinogenic drug has never had an experience like that. You don't see cartoon characters. That's not a thing. I don't want to do it then. Okay. I'm just kidding. Fair enough. Uh, But so you always know somebody is lying when their experience is uh, too stereotypical or diverges from the rest of the community too much. So in the astral projection thing, the people that claim to be able to do it have a commonality of experience that is plausible on the same level to me. Also, meditation people have this, too, where if you do these certain activities long enough and you do this sort of mental disciplinary technique, you can achieve states that share commonality with other people. Now, anyone that doesn't have the rigor to get to that level automatically assumes that it's false. But that doesn't mean it isn't true. It just means you haven't done the experiment yet because it's a rigorous one that takes a lot of effort. So, long way of saying, with the astral projection thing, I got interested in it because I was like, well, it only happens in sleep. It starts out by lucid dreaming. And then it slips into something more controlled, which is what people call astral projection. I don't know what that actually is, but... There's enough there where I thought, I will attempt this experiment. And writing your dreams down is one way to have better access to them so that you can have assert some control within them. Uh-huh. That's how you start lucid dreaming. And then at a certain point, you can throw yourself out of your body, quote unquote. All right. And start to travel around in this psychic space independent from your corporeal form. So okay. people say. So that's what I wanted to try. 
but I didn't get far enough to do that because everything started to be negative. Okay. But the astral projection people also say that you have to work your way through that negativity. You have to be unafraid of it at a certain point to get to the level that they're at. And I'm too afraid of it. Yeah, I, I was going to say, like, you can't then not open the hotel doors. You have, In fact, you have to aggressively and often. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just not for me. I'm a pretty complacent person. I'm lazy. But why were you concerned about, like, just the recurrence of of the bad dreaming? I wasn't concerned about the recurrence per se. I just didn't want to experience it anymore actively. Because oh. hmm. why would you want to put yourself through that? I'd rather not remember what's happening while I'm sleeping if it's majority negative. Hmm. I don't know. I just think once the roof caved in upstairs, uh, there was bad thoughts that entered. Like bad juju was stored in the architectural space and it entered. Like the mummy or something. Yeah, I don't know if I believe in the transference between like material things and psychic energy. Oh, see, I'm a, you know. You think this 1907 home was like. Storing some energy in in the in between spaces, you know. Liminal spaces aren't just hallways. They're the between the ceiling and the floorboards, you know? There's a lot of yeah, energy know, transference there. So Really? There, you think so? Uh, yeah. Expand on that because the first thing that comes to mind for me is that nothing really goes on there. The building is built and then that liminal space basically stays empty aside from bugs and dust. Mold, it's a whole ecosystem that lives in there. That's true. There's, it's, you know, life goes on in there, you know? You got you got some mice, you got some critters, you got some mold, you got a whole lot of stuff um, that then, like, you know, that's its own energy. That's chaos energy in the in-between state that, you know, we seal off with geometry, right? Right. And logic. Yes. And then you let the outside in when a ceiling collapses, and you're like, whoo! It's seeping everywhere. Oh, Literally okay. with, you know, water down to the, you know, it all, all of that spreads. Yeah. Then the, you know, the righteous geometry of architecture can't hold that back. You know. And if the stability of of a space is uh threatened in any way, that's when, you know, your your dreaming state can go down darker paths or be led to darker paths a little faster. Yeah, interesting. I buy that. I'm a big believer, you know, I'm a big believer in like space, you know, sp- you know, architectural space things and things in the space do a lot of holding of energy. Is this why you like living in cities and don't like leaving them so much? Why? What do you mean? Because what you're describing is nature, is the chaos energy. All of the things that get in between the logic and structure of architecture are the things that are released when it fails, right? And so the farther away you get, from the macro architecture, which would be an urban environment, into a natural environment, the farther into the chaos energy you go. I don't, but that's not really in the same. Like forests and rivers and streams all have very specific structures. Yeah. They're more in tune with things that are, you know, non controllable. What I don't like about country is what, what you have is people trying to add this kind of space into that kind of space that this order into that order and that that schism is like what are we trying to do here well it is the liminal space between the ceiling and the floor right like that's what like a cabin sucks to me that's what the peripheral space of an urban environment bordering on the country is like it's the logic and structure of humanity meeting the mold and the bugs and the chaos energy of the natural environment but you know like what you don't like is the confluence of the two things if you get farther off farther out enough into nature fine it's organic structures take over it's fractal structure yeah but it's structure yeah it's not it's not it's a conflict between two different structures that you don't respond to yes yeah that makes sense that's why i don't like it because like you go to the country there's a fucking walmart and you're like why why is this here this logic structure has no business up here and even then, when you have like hipster commune or like bougie 
social spaces that are designed to mimic uh, Williamsburg in 2007, like, there's too much of, like, um, there's too much conflict between, like, irrational structures that, like, have no business being near each other. You know? Like an old timey general store makes sense because it's its own kind of chaos in that because they're like, yeah, we gotta have everything because they're going out to a place that has everything. Well, and if you're talking about a general store in the model of like an old western movie or whatever, it's also made of materials from the environment. It's like constructed as best you can in the mirror image of, or it's like in an old barn or some bullshit or whatever. But it's not. It's an approximation. It's yes. not quite all the way there. Whereas like a big box store feels like an alien mothership has landed in the middle of a, you know, plateau. Yeah. Like in Close Encounters style. Yeah. Like Vermont, I don't mind. That's country. And it all seems country. And you don't see a Walmart ever. Or at least what I saw. I didn't see a Walmart. Right, right. But like if you go in upstate New York, you're like, woof. It's basically Painesville. Right, or like you've been to the West before. Yeah. Like we went to Las Vegas together. One of the reasons I like Las Vegas so much is that the human synthetic oasis that it is is so exaggerated to one end of the spectrum. Completely, complete simulacrum. That's absurd conflict. And like neon light and then the absence of the desert. Yeah. And also the like beautiful organic nature of the desert when you're out there even 15 minutes from Las Vegas. You know, we went to Red Rock Canyon that's a beautiful place. Yeah, but then you can, which also seems surreal. Yes. So then that kind of natural surreality, then you have like fucking like fake black pyramid, you know, with a light shooting out of the top. Sure. And like mini size Eiffel Tower. Like, yeah, of course, nothing is real there. It's all mirage space. Yes, yes, yes. So it all makes sense. Right. When you have, you know, hmm. Two I think, things that make no sense together. It's like, I don't like this. Right. I think that happens a lot in the West. Like, I think L.A. is even a expanded version of this where you can get to natural beauty really quickly, but it's also like a new city. I mean, you have the fucking terms. tar pits and you're right next to LACMA. Right. And you're like, huh? I don't know. I think the East Coast suffers from... First of all, like a different natural environment where like forest energy is really different than desert energy. When you get oh, yeah. west of the Mississippi and you hit first like grassy plains and then rocky mountains and then desert and then like whatever Southern California is or even like the whole West Coast is kind of weird. You don't hit forest energy again until you're in like Oregon. Well, you get the redwoods. Yeah. Northern California. Fair yeah. enough. But even like even like the redwoods are a crazy weird exaggeration of a well that's forest. hyperstructure yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know yeah I don't uh, hmm. there's also too much like weird history like I don't know in the country here where it's like all, only bad things happen in in the countryside of the northeast it has bad you know residual energy of wars and genocide and all sorts of nonsense you know. Well, I think arguably the West has that in a worse way. I think if you're talking in terms of like the vibe energy that we're talking about, it just happens to be more dispersed in the West because it was less populated. Yeah. And more nomadic in the first place. You can sort of pick up on the idea that on the East Coast, like entire civilizations were sort of displaced. Yeah. In the West, though. And they aren't available anymore except in the names of counties and roads. Yeah. They're just totally gone. In the West, though, there's so much like palimpsestic overbuilding that like there's no special history there you know like is there a historic district i don't know are there historic districts in la who knows yeah paramount lots that have been there since the 30s yeah their historic districts date from the 20th century yeah Yeah. it's not even or there's spanish missions that are really far away yeah but you know with their own sort of weird juju but you know yeah, it's the building. That's like spiritual juju. That's not energy juju. Well, but the, there's the building on top of other things yeah. that happens in the here West, constantly. Uh, in the city, yeah. It's but... more like Rome in that way. You know, things mm. are buried, and that gives it a weird vibe. Yeah. 
but in the country it's worse. I don't know. Well, it's just sort of not as placeable. Like in New York City, it's obvious when something gets demolished and built on top of, or Julian Schnabel builds Palazzo Chupi on top of an old warehouse or whatever. You can see all the layers sort of in what you call the country, like in upstate New York. like Yonkers. The erasure isn't as available. No. And what comes to replace whatever was there is also unattractive. It's banal. Yeah. Which is, like, maybe the part that I'm, like, it's unsettling to have, like, a strip mall next to, like, cows. Which I guess is most of this country. Um, yeah, vast majority of it. I don't like it, though. I think also what makes it difficult maybe for your, you or I to appreciate, you know, the outer metropolitan area here is that we grew up in a place that was really similar. It doesn't seem exotic, you know? No, it's a, it's the sameness that I'm like, what? I think it would be interesting to, to have this conversation with, like, Erica or Ben that, like, grew up in Southern California. I f- feel like they would have a really different attitude towards this. Uh, and probably would say that L.A. is a lot more similar to New York than we're giving it credit for. In this sense. Mm. That, like, you know, it's banal and it's weird cultural and nature erasing in the same way. It's just that we're used to this environment. So when you go to, you know, the mountains outside of New York and go for a hike, like it's a round topped hilly mountain, the Appalachians, they're not that different from what you could experience in Ohio or in Tennessee or in Alabama. Like they go, they go all the way there. It's not that, crazy it doesn't look different it's not till you hit like florida on this coast or maine that you get something like kind of spectacular yeah hmm yeah i don't know it i don't know i i don't want to spend the whole the whole time talking about vibes of places but because i think the like the okay new topic no <laughs> no I was trying to do a subtle distinction between like feelings of, you know, general feelings and more towards the like how that how the vibes come to be, you know, because, you know, talking about the energy of things like I just think L.A.'s energy is. We we are stackers here and L.A. is just like, I just move it out, put another thing over there, just like, oh, that's a new street, plop another thing. Like, it just will always, like, it's like a virus, out, like, out, outgrowing virus. That's not a good metaphor. It's like, it's like. Yeah, it extends laterally rather than vertically. Yeah. Yeah. We stack, like, fucking blocks all over the place. I mean, I can't help but mention that all of that is intentional and depends on, like, when a city was founded and how it goes down, right? Like. You know, it's a pretty notorious story that L.A. at one point had, like, a really good public transportation system that was deliberately undermined uh, in favor of cars at a certain point because that was the future. And it was a young enough city to not have enough investment in its own infrastructure to be able to scrap it completely at a certain level and start it over again. And it's because, you know, that city was a bunch of fucking pup tents and, you know, whatever, missions until the 20th century. And then they did a public transportation system because that's what you did in the late 19th, early 20th century. And then cars came along and they said, well, fuck it. Well, just cars are the future. That's what we're going to do. New York didn't have that option. No. It could never really be a car city by the time cars came along. So its investment in public transportation had to continue, however badly. But they were committed to subways and things like that beyond a certain point. But in California, it was new enough that you had the option to scrap it without being able to see all the knock-on effects of what that would create later. Right. Because aren't there only like five lines? Yeah, something like that. It's real cute. Yeah. But there used to be like a really active streetcar system. Oh. So like and San subway Francisco. Si- n- you not just... subway, but like metro system, yeah. So you just hop on, hop up, you know. We need that back. 
I would love to like just hop on a little rolly car. Well, the reason those don't exist is cars. I mean, you do have to accommodate cars to a certain level. New York also had that. Oh, what? Yeah, New York also had street cars for a really, really long time. But you, you can't have street cars and regular cars at the same time, really. Why? Except in limited areas. Because a train running down the middle of the street takes up two lanes. Right. And yeah, you can't just have people like running onto the thing, just being like, "Wee!" Yeah, no, not really. I don't know. I was reading a lot about the New York City subway system recently. Um, because of Boardwalk Empire, we okay. were watching an episode, and there was a there was a casual mention of what the subway used to be called, and I can't recall the acronym right now, but it was like ibt or ibr or something like that the other one and i was like huh what is that about and it's because private companies used to run the subway systems everybody that lives in new york knows this now that all the numbered lines and all the lettered lines are an artifact of the two separate private systems that were eventually merged under the mta um they're different widths of track they're different lengths of car uh, if you ever ride a one train versus riding a D train, you'll notice this. Hmm. I've never, I don't think I've ever ridden a one train in my life. Uh, you must have. I don't know. I've ridden every subway, I think. I think most people that lived hmm. here have. You've never ridden the red line, one, two, three? Oh, I mean, if once. You... And then I was like, this is useless to me for reasons. Yeah. I mean, you know. Yeah. Everybody ends up on the same lines, but anyway, yeah, yeah, I mean, that, yeah. The that's all an art. That's all an artifact of two two separate private systems. Yeah, remember how there back in the day in the twenties there used to be a train line that would go up Tompkins. Yes, and there was also one that went up Myrtle all the way to Manhattan. What you can actually see that at Myrtle Broadway oh, yeah, the today. Little... There's that little extension that they didn't bother tearing down that goes between, I guess, what. Um, Lewis and Broadway. Yeah, it's holding up the Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, that line used to run all the way down Myrtle Avenue into Manhattan. And why don't we have that now? Uh, well, because they had the JMZ train also. Oh. It was used to be called something else, but why would you have two parallel lines that run essentially to the same place a block apart? doesn't make sense. Yeah, but you could go like all the way down Myrtle to like downtown Brooklyn without getting on a bus. We replaced every, all those lines with buses. Yeah, I mean, it would be better for inter-Brooklyn travel, but at the yeah. time, that's not what they were thinking. They're like the geo work. Brooklyn was just a suburb. They didn't really care. Right. Hmm. I don't know. It's a fascinating story about them trying to figure out how do you consolidate, how do you consolidate all of this into something workable? And how do you do it with, like, a proper budget and a proper fare that, like, works for people that actually live here? It was difficult for them to do. I mean, the reason that the 2nd Avenue subway has taken so long... You know it's been in in progress for over 100 years. Yes, correct. They've been working on this forever. Um, But they... You know, it's really difficult to finance infrastructure projects at that level and make them make any sense. How did it happen? Oh, because it was private. I was like, how... It happened before. Yeah. Hmm. Well, it was private and it didn't really work. Like, they didn't think there would be as much ridership as there was initially. So they built everything with the expectation of a certain X hundred thousand amount of riders and got like six times that almost instantly. And then had to figure it out. Hmm. I mean, you know, we're all just looking down the future where... You know, we're just going to have Meta building us subways, and we're going to have to, like, scan our retinas to go on them. Which, by the way, worst name ever. I need the nerds to stop reading the science fiction and then making their terrible dreams a reality. Well, what is bad about Meta, in my mind, is that it... It kind of takes that prefix away from society... You can't use that anymore without like, it seeming meta. like yeah. a dick pretentious thing, which it kind of always was anyway. Yeah. But now it just references them somehow. It also means death in Yiddish. Oh, really? I didn't know that. So all Jews are giggling right now. Hmm. Yeah. I don't know. They've just stolen like an entire philosophical category 
from the rest of us. I don't know. I also, I don't have anything to say about it other than bad branding. Bad, 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 bad idea. Please stop. The worst thing about it is that it will probably work. That it will divert attention away from all of the negative attention Facebook's been getting for their terrible like moderation practices and their deliberate poaching of like young children trying to turn them into consumers and ruin their minds giving them skinny tea what i mean that's you know that's the instagram end use is to sell people nonsense right but like for teens it's about keeping them engaged more so they have body issues so you know you have stay skinny teas yeah 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 which uh, all I see now are just ads for like, ask me how I became a $20,000 a month Amazon reseller. I'm like, some like someone is like, do you want to be a girl boss? Do you want to gaslight? Then get with it and then let's tell you how to make TikToks about how we can MLM you into the, the fucking future. And I'm like, Ugly. it's becoming Facebook. It's time to shut it down. Yeah, Instagram is over. It's bad. Yeah. It's dead, right? Yeah, it's dead. I mean, what are we going to use? Flickr? None of my friends actually post on Instagram anymore. So I only follow it for memes now. It's become just sort of another form of Reddit, just a faster Reddit with less interest in the comments. Mm. I don't know. I kind of hope it becomes fashionable. Or beyond fashionable. I just hope it becomes kind of normal to be off of social media completely. I think that the, there will be one of two pendulum swings. Everyone will just be like, we're done. And then it'll just be over. And that'll be fine. Or everyone will be like, no, you have to be on it. That's the only way we can make money is if people stay addicted to it. And it's like, well, yeah, but you know, it's very easy to just take a fucking app off your phone and never think about it ever again. Yeah, I think it's so in everybody's face that it's bad for you and addictive. There is no upside. Yeah. So people will just get off of it and leave it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, think about Tom of Finland. Okay. No. Tom of Top 8. What's the name of the thing? MySpace. There you go. See, I couldn't even remember the name. Like, did Tom ever dream of this? I don't think so. I think Tom was just like, I don't know. Put your stupid song on. Rank your friends. Tell people that you're feeling lonely and and stuff. Yeah, I think that in the early days of social media, it was relatively innocent. I mean, it was real... Well, real geniuses, but also real ghouls that figured out how to monetize what they had here. Mm-hmm. Because you always talk about like getting advertised certain things on Facebook, but that's not even how they make their money. Like it's not as if ad- advertisers do pay them to be on their platforms, but that's not the money maker for Facebook or Instagram. It's selling behavioral data. Yeah. Which hmm. anybody needs to know that you're like, you know, spending a little more time looking at one thing like by milliseconds, like I don't know. Like the bigger problem for me is not that they're taking that data and selling it. I mean, that's been happening for a decade and a half at this point. If I click on one more fucking allow all cookies, I'm going to slap somebody. Well, yeah. Um, The thing is the amount of control they want to exert over that. I think that's what all of the like recent Facebook stuff, although everybody's known this all the time, uh, is so is such a good demonstration of is that they also want to direct your experience of your behavior. It's not enough to simply like monetize what you're already doing with this addiction. It also has to be controlled. That's the part that feels really insidious and terrible to me. Um, I don't know. Maybe my standards have just fallen too. I think, I think if I was an adult, if I was the same, if I was 33 in 2007, with the same awareness that I have now, I don't think I ever would have gotten on any of these things. Yeah. And it's a bad sign to me that I'm like, well, I'm okay with them collecting my behavioral data because what choice do we really have? But I just don't want to be controlled. Like, 
it feels like this weird capitulation that's all going downhill where it's like every further intrusion seems like a line that they're crossing, but they continue to do it and there'll be more. Yeah. So you're saying Twitter. No, I'm not saying, I'm not saying, (laughs) I'm not saying Twitter. I'm not saying anything about, about a particular social media platform. What I'm saying is I don't like the idea that here's this thing and we're going to steal from you your life habits, but also you can't say this or that. And also, but also you should think this or that. That's worse. Which I don't kind of get. I'm like, what are we doing with this information? What, like, I, I, I have yet to understand what any of this information has come to pass on. Other than, like, people will come to a museum of ice cream. Where they will just feedback loop back into the thing. I'm like, what? That's literally worthless. That's an experience that has a negative net for all involved other than whoever well, it, it has a positive net in terms of money circulation it gets people to spend 20 spend bucks yeah more on particular things but i think they also have political aspirations too oh hmm. i don't think that's i think that's the more insidious thing is that it's tech overlords trying to impose on you what you should and shouldn't be able to think hmm. Yeah, maybe. With the end with the end in mind of solidifying and concretizing the power that they already have that's extra governmental. Mm. Hmm. Just in terms of terms of terms of the the user agreement control thing or what? No, in terms of certain political angles about like you're going to get a little covid tag on anything yeah. you say about covid at all you're going to get banned or shadow yeah. banned if you say anything outside of the accepted narrative see i think the shadow ban thing is the most fucked up thing yeah and they can't even explain what that policy is no one does like youtube doesn't do it but like even patreon will do the oh i unsubscribed it's like did you though it's like no you didn't like you know breaking points did a really good expose on this recently where it was revealed that for influencers and celebrities with a higher follower count they are basically exempt from these rules that if you're kim kardashian and you have whatever she has 70 million followers you can say whatever the fuck you want about covid and they're never going to take you off they're never going to put a warning on your shit uh they have a special category that's reserved for people that get a lot of engagement that immunizes them from the thought policing. But if you are a prole, you're subject to shadow bans and all these other things. So. Huh? Huh? I think it goes to show that there's some particular aim behind this. I'm not smart yeah. enough to be able to articulate like precisely what it is. I think it's just the idea that you should believe in the narrative, the meta. I think, yeah, I think it is like, yeah, we're aiming towards monoculture. Why, yeah. why can't you get on board? And it's yeah. like, that's so monoculture is not culture. It's just, it's culture is messy. Right. Right. And should be. If, if you, well, want, when it's driven by humans, but when it's driven by an algorithm, it's boring, generic, it's singular. It's chuggy. Yeah. Um, which, why do I know that word? That's not even a real word. That's a made-up word by an algorithm at New York Magazine. Like, you know, no one... Nah. Um, but I just start to think, like, I think, like, the idea of, like, well, no, we're now in, in an experience economy. I'm, th- I'm like, eh, I think that's... I think that's over. I think we're done with that whole process of, like, we're going to go pay for the experience of standing on a glass thing in, on Park Avenue South. Well, it depends what the experience is, right? I don't want to take you off your point, but I think one of the things that's interesting about being a millennial or about somebody young is that up until relatively recently, and I think it'll continue for a while, um, economics has really fucked us in a lot of ways, but travel has gotten cheap. Yeah. So you can't own a home, but you can travel the world. 
Uh, that's not what I'm talking about. I mean, yeah, you can travel the world, but, like, are you going to go to the beaches, sandals, resort, you know, whatever? I know there's a more specific definition of experience economy that does have to do with the metaverse and what they want you to experience specifically. Jump inside the Van Gogh experience, and you're like, projectors. It was just to point out that there's a a broader version of the experience economy that is a real thing. But that's just the tourist tourism economy. Yes. We had a different word for it that was more accurate. Back, you know, back in my day, we called it tourism. You sent the whites down to the Bahamas, and they only went to the white sand beaches, and they couldn't leave the compound. And then if they did, to buy the marijuana, they might come back with half a finger. Or, yeah, you go to fucking Morocco, and maybe someone steals some bullshit, and you're like, oh my god, (laughs) they took only the cash, but they left my car as well. I really experienced what it's like to be a victim in a different country. Right. Listen, listen, you're not fucking, what's it, Midnight Cowboy? Or Midnight whatever, Midnight Expressing it? You're not, like, smuggling heroin up your hole, (laughs) fucking, like, in lockup forever. Calm the fuck down. Yeah. Like, go to Singapore, try to smuggle in drugs, they'll shoot you on sight. There you go. Have an experience. No. Well, yeah. I mean, if you are existing in the classic tourist economy, you're not as controllable. Yeah, but you are. You're going to the fucking... Your patterns are easily predictable because you're going to go see the Eiffel Tower and then you're going to go to this... Well, that's what they want want in terms of the experience economy, quote-unquote. But you don't have to do that. You can travel to a place and not do all of the destination, yeah, you know, capital accumulating centers that they want you to do. Yeah, I guess. But by promoting the experience economy as an idea, what they're looking for is to keep you corralled in the shopping mall of every global cosmopolitan place that you visit. They expect you to visit Paris and London and Beijing and. Uh, Bangkok, uh, but not to go to the towns outside of it. I mean, I'll always pay for an experience to Bangkok. <laughs> like, people make a big deal out of the idea that you can do tourism to North Korea, but they have a guard that looks over your shoulder while they walk you around Pyongyang, and you can't go to the neighborhoods surrounding Pyongyang. You can't go to different places in North Korea that aren't on their sanctioned buses and all of this stuff. Why would you go then? The same thing applies in the experience economy, but the algorithm is there instead of is your the armed actual yeah. North Korean man looking over your shoulder threatening you. Mm-hmm. That's the idea. Is going to Korea, North Korea, like going to a dick's last resort? <laughs> what do you mean? Everyone's mean to you, but you can still like have like crab legs. It, you know, I don't know. I've watched a lot of videos about this. It turns out they're not really that mean to you. That, like, they soften up at the end of the day because it's, like, novel and interesting to them to hang out with Americans that can bribe them, that have money to spend, that will sing karaoke with them. Like, no, North Koreans are just as into it as you are. They're regular people, you know? They oh, just happen. Oh, they're just doing their jobs? Wow. We know no, that's that not what I'm saying <laughs> at all. I, I, I know you're trying to do a callback to something no one's going to hear. But... <laughs> Oh, boy. But no, I don't know. The idea that citizens of other places that are in different situations than you are more brainwashed than you is a weird Western problem. Oh, no, that's fucked, yeah. It's not true. North Koreans know what's up. Yeah. They have no choice in the same sense that we have no choice but to deal with the experience economy. Mm. We think that's freedom, though. I, I, I can't. I have a hard time telling who's more brainwashed or not. At least it's very clear in North Korea what the situation is. And we, you know, Americans or Western people tre- tend to treat them as if they're stupid, brainwashed idiots. And it's yeah. like, I, well, yeah. <laughs> look in the mirror, you know? Yeah. Well, the world's a terrible place. Um, the world is a terrible place. I'm sorry. I feel partly responsible for derailing all of these episodes because I'm in a pessimistic uh, mood. Yeah, so what are these bad dreams? Tell me the dreams. I'm in, I'm in, I'm intrigued now. They're not going to make any sense. It's not interesting. And the, the bad and dream this has made more sense. The bad maybe not, but the bad dream is our reality, right? Oh. I think that's the malaise of our time. Like I'm just trying to figure out if I have to like get some sage and like maybe figure out some some uh feng shui or no, something. No, 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 no. Here's the thing. It, we can always solve it by buying things. No, you can't. Yes, we can. No. Yes, we can. 
Yes, she can. We can buy things. Make it better. That's my robot chant. Well, that's the algorithm talking. I mean, I always try to talk you down from this this ledge of, like, consuming your way out of things. Mm. And that's why I think, like, you know, quote-unquote spiritual people or woo people, they fall into this trap, too. They oh, just I mean. buy their way out of this. There's no way to do that. You have to sit with the malaise, I think, and just accept it. It's okay. You know, in this, in the same sense that 2020 and early 2020, 2021, it was like this crazy catastrophe that was like really overwhelming but kind of exciting. Oh, it was great. And you thought, well, it's a bad time, but like we're living through history and it's really active. More of those events and times will come in our lives, but I think for right now, the uncomfortable feeling is the malaise of the afterglow of like, this isn't really going away. Like the world's certainly never going back to normal. Well, this is the thing. What the world wants to do is go back to the way it was. And I'm like, never what? coming back though. But That's like, why are we doing back. the way we were like, no, you know how that movie ends? Everybody did. Just like we I were, think. just like we were talking about liminal spaces before. And it was like this friction between chaos energy and the logic of humanity. That is the scene right now. Last year was the chaos energy. And that's kind of exciting in its own I think way. It, I think it was more like the human energy. It's like you got to figure out what to do. You have to figure out how to sit with yourself. And now people are like, I want to go back to doing the things. And it's like... No, 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 no. You're focused... I'm talking about the macro. You're focusing on like the local experience of like COVID and sitting in a place or not. What I'm talking about is like the logical structure of an entire civilization that was built from the collapse of the Soviet Union until 9-11 and COVID, like the ceiling collapsed. The yeah. exact same metaphor that you used happened in March yeah. of 2020. That was the ceiling collapsing. And now we in. just got bad juju everywhere. And the chaos energy came through. And for a while, that's an interesting thing to experience and absorb, but then it becomes normalized, right? And now you're in Yonkers where the friction is there's 50% chaos energy here and there's 50% of like structural human energy trying to impose itself on this wild situation and that middle feeling is the worst feeling yeah that's where the bad dreams come from the liminal space that's the malaise that exists right now and will probably exist for the next couple of years you know because these cycles tend to work themselves out according to political cycles and economic cycles right and we're in one right now where the econ- economic cycle hasn't really changed for the last year. It's just a giant uptrend. Just up, which is insane. Which doesn't feel right. And the political cycle feels bad because you have a Democrat in there that's doing absolutely nothing. Just completely blowing an opportunity. You have the exact same guy that people think caused this problem. He didn't really waiting in the wings to come back. I mean, this recursion is a real thing right now. Maybe two years from now, it'll get interesting again, two, three years. But hmm. for right now, we got to live in the malaise. And I feel like that's where I'm at. I mean, that's where my vibe is at. That's where my vibe's been at over the last two episodes. Is this, is this what people describe as the doldrums? I don't think it's a doldrum because it's also not boring. I don't think doldrums have to be boring. I think they can be unsettled and unchanged. I think the unchanging is what people confuse as being boring. Fair enough. I agree with you. Yeah. I think doldrums are this, they're, you know, you know, when you're like, uh, you put a, a pot of cold water on to boil and you know, it's like warm, but the bubbles aren't moving, but you know, the atoms are moving, but you don't have the evidence. Yeah. I think that's the doldrums. I think you're right. I, I, I'm remembering now that I think doldrums is a sailing term, actually, for, yes. for exactly this, where the water is like slightly choppy. No, it's nothing. It's not moving, but you know there's always something moving. Uh-huh. So you get a little crazy because you're like, the water is still. Water is not still. So you get a little woohoo. Well, and especially after a giant storm. That's particularly unsettling. Yeah. Because what's underneath. Right. Well. That's my horror movie. That's what I'm writing. 
Yeah, well, I mean, that's where we are, though. The what's underneath, I don't know yet. Nobody knows. Ugh. The thing is, you have somebody's got to gotta know. Nobody knows. The thing is, you have to get comfortable. Given all this information to the in, the AI, and it's not telling me what's going to happen next. Fuckers. Well, it's difficult. It's difficult to extrapolate out from where we are right now as a human being because human beings are not in control. Right. It is algorithms. Even our elites are not in control of this. They're as slavish to it as we have to be. They're doing it kind of on purpose. They think they control the lovers, but they don't. Yeah, because what happens if you go to move a lover and you're like, it's not stopping. It's not stopping. Oh, yeah, it's not. It's designed not to stop if you fuck up. You're like, I'm not fucking up. I'm doing it on purpose. Or rather, it's so complicated and fragile that when it has to stop for a black swan event like COVID, nobody knows how to deal with it. Yeah. And it's backed up forever. And everybody that designed this situation or thought they designed it has no way to alleviate yeah. the tension. Oh, boy. Not only is it the doldrums, but nobody's captaining the ship either. Everybody's on it together. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Just look at the fucking harbors outside of New York and L.A. right now. It's literally just ships standing in still water going, can we move or no? What are we doing with all this? Is the stuff going anywhere? Is anything going to move? I think the better question is, why are we in that position in the first place? Why did anybody think that a system this fragile that couldn't survive two weeks of stopping was worth doing? You can't stop a system for two weeks without years of oh, downstream yeah. impact. That's a really, really, That's really a bad, bad system. Design. <laughs> yeah, because the system's built on bad things. Well, be, that's a symptom of everything being out of control. Yeah, that people were just putting one one foot before the other, with only profit motive in mind, and that's it. The profit motive doesn't belong to humanity. People are afraid of AI because they're afraid of killer robots or whatever, or this, mm. you know, um, animatrix situation where the AI becomes sentient and identifies us as a threat. I think what everyone's missing is that the AI is already sentient and it's out of our control. We Wait. designed it 150 years ago. Wait. If we have the AI future, does that mean I can rent a Jude Law sex robot? I think you can already do that. It's called a real doll. It costs about 20 grand. Um, I wasn't expecting a dollar amount to be thrown in there at the end. Because um, I now I'm suspicious. Oh, you got the red wine on the freshly clean linens. I made it all the way to the last glass. Wow. Well, reader. Oh, we're going to try. Oh, we're just. <laughs> okay. Reader, let me tell you something about, about the person sitting across from me. Certain life things miss, miss that day. Just fully miss that day. On how to... Club soda works. Because it has a different compound of minerals in it. Because it's mostly salt that lifts. Uh, Pellegrino does not have those chemical compounds like a club soda does. Okay. But I'm diluting it. So you're making the stain bigger. Yeah, but less vibrant. Okay. That I do understand. Yes, I know you know how to make water. Yeah, yeah, I know. But, oh boy. Ah, it's refreshing in the body. Useless outside the body. When are we ending this episode? We haven't even hit an hour yet. Really? No. Well, well that's a good sign. Cause I feel like Is we, it? Yeah, because I feel like we had a more full, robust conversation than the previous two attempts at this. 
I guess. I'm not sure. Uh, we had some ennui. We got through we got through lots of different versions of uh, you know, talking about things. We got very woo. I feel thrown off by doing this on a Monday, I think. I know, I know, I know. Tuesday really gotta, you know, be the day, but my hand I tied my own hands behind my back. I don't know. It's okay. We were due for a bad one. We said that last time. We did? Or the time before. I think we say that every time. Well, what are you tuning in here, folks, for? I really don't know. You're not you're not tuning in for greatness. Mediocrity at best. Yeah. And sometimes just Sometimes subpar. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> you know, some I, I don't know. I think about like the I never got like par as a golfer person. I was always way over. Most golfers are way over par. You have to be a really good golfer to get par. I knew some people who were very good who would be like, yeah, I did it. I'd be like, how the fuck On one hole or on the entire... The whole thing. Yeah, that's really hard, man. You have to be really good. Like their handicap was like negative two or whatever. That's incredible. I don't know. I mean, that's not good enough to make you a pro or even like an am golfer, but... Yeah, as somebody that's just into it recreationally, most people never reach that level. A lot of fucking Ohio suburban men golf for decades. And they achieve that. And they achieve that. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I knew middle-aged people and So what you're saying is that we will achieve that three decades from now on this podcast, that eventually episode 1500 will be really good, guys. Oh, We promise. I mean, are we... When we hit Joe Rogan numbers... Are we approaching 150 yet? No, we're barely approaching... Oh, we're almost at 125. It's 115. Is that important? The 25s. No. You can't have anniversaries over 100 except on the 100s. That's or 50s? It. No, not on 50s. Yeah! No. No. Only on 100s. Wow. Okay. Well. My question is, should should this just be the last episode? Probably. Oh, no. I think we've earned it. Oh, never. No. Never? You'll never let me escape from this prison? No. Now that I know how to do the little... Bleep loops. I can go forever. Well, good. I hope you have time to edit this one before work tomorrow. No, I'm going to do it on Thursday. That's too late. Why? It has to come out on Thursday. It can come out on Friday. People like listening to it uh, Friday mornings. Says who? Some people. You're making this up. Two people have told me I do my I do my things and I do my tippy taps in the morning and I listen to it on Fridays. And I Fine. Say, okay. I mean, I will I will absolutely leave this absolute mess to you. To oh, sort yeah, there's out. a lot of them. Oh, yeah, okay. Oh, so it's the third file, right? Yeah, I mean, the first file is completely unusable, but you have to decide between... Oh, I'm not using what we recorded before at all. We're. I might delete it off of the thing, and then it won't even... No, be don't delete it, because we need an after show. I don't think so. I think we're going to abscond the See, you know, that's interesting, because I go on and on about things that I'm interested in just because there's nothing happening on the other side of the table... And suddenly, that's like not even. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to have even worthy of anything. I, I would agree that it shouldn't be the primary episode. But my God, man, you want people to pay it's, for that? I'm, I'm offended. I'm offended. I really am. Okay, you have to edit it though. I'm not, I don't. I don't I'll edit. fucking edit it. That's fine. I don't edit after shows. But it's like, I don't know this. I, I'm. I. I think I'm mad at you. I mean, again, this whole thing about the earring, and now, you're, <laughs> and now you're like, oh, again, no one will you know. Talk, it's worthless. <laughs> yeah, now you, now you know why I don't want to do this podcast ever. I hate <sighs> doing this. Okay, it's terrible. <laughs> I have to sit here across the table from you and talk to you about your Chipotle order, but I can't talk <laughs> about. I can't talk about something that I'm interested in of world historical relevance for 20 minutes, and you're like, no, it's worthless. Nobody wants to hear it. In fact, I'm going to delete it. Also, you're going to have an earring when you're 50? What the? What is wrong with you? This is a series of things no one is going to have any access what to. What is wrong? Very funny what to is me. wrong with you? It's terrible. It pisses me off. So septum piercing. Just be nice to me sometimes. It's okay. I am nice to you sometimes. I'm your best friend in the whole world, and you're so fucking mean to me, and it pisses me off. I'm, I can't I'm stand nice it. on occasion. Really rarely. You're never you're never nice. What you do is you're mean as hell and then you buy me something. Yeah. And you buy yourself a little time. But you know what? <laughs> it's getting shorter and shorter every passing day. Oh wow. Mm. I can't believe this. 
I'm actually mad. Oh, you worked. I hope everybody up. understands that. <laughs> oh, he's been worked up into a, a, a frenzy. No, I just you know. God, I entertain your fucking fantasies all the time. What? We talk about food constantly. We talk about laundry and clothes and ads on social media. Those are the primary topics on this podcast. Do you know why? Because you never ask me about things I'm interested in. Well, And I, then I have I to did. fill air because you're like, next topic? I did. I asked you about the dream thing because I'm interested. And you want to withhold that. This is amazing. Okay. All right. Fine. Ep- this episode's over.